your hands up to heaven and let's just say it. Say, Lord, you are worthy of our praise. You're worthy, Lord, of us living a, a righteous, godly life. You're worthy of our obedience. Any sacrifice you'd call us to make, Lord, you're worthy. Simply because you've made us your kids. As a believer, I've been adopted as a son and a daughter of God. And we just want to stand before you today and say we love you. And we just desire your presence in our life. Holy Spirit, just be welcome to walk through this room. Would you just come and touch any that are, that are sick, any that are troubled, any that are hopeless and hurting, discouraged, any that are suicidal, any that are ready to give up. Lord, any that are lost, any that are aimless, Lord, we're all here. And Lord, we just welcome your presence. Be real today. Not in a mystical or spooky way, but in the reality that God is near. And we welcome you. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Amen. Amen. Give your neighbor a high five. Tell them they're looking good. I heard somebody say you could be a little better. Don't say that in church. It's supposed to make people feel good. Hey, we're glad you're here this morning. You can see we're getting a little full in this second service. We've got lots of space on Saturday night and Sunday first service. You might want to check that out sometimes. But we want to, before I begin preaching this morning, we want to pause as much of America is doing this weekend to remember the life and ministry of Martin Luther King. Dr. King was assassinated in 1968. I was 11 years old at the time. But he was born in an era not by accident. How many know that, uh, that God doesn't arbitrarily or by the luck of the draw put us into this, this scheme called life and humanity? This man was born a, 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 an African-American. He was born in what was called the Jim Crow law era in the South. Jim Crow laws were put in place after Reconstruction, after the Civil War. And uh, they did things like saying white people and black people can't go to school together. Uh, whites and blacks can't eat out of the same restaurant or the same water faucet. Whites and blacks can't marry. And these were called Jim Crow laws. They were named after a, a mythical, uh, mystical fi mythical figure in a song, a minstrel song, J Jim Crow. But anyway, these laws were in place, and uh, this man, Martin Luther King, was a preacher. Uh, he was many things, and he's being, a lot of people want to forget that today, but the heart and core of who he was and what he did and why he did it was because he loved Jesus and because he was a man of God. And uh, how many know it's true Christians that can bring true change that needs to be brought into the nation? Of course, it's gone in many different directions, but we normally show a little video, a little history, a little something of a speech, but I want to show you something I think is a takeoff from his life and something that we can put in practice today, because let me know today is not 1965. I mean, it's a different day. There's still racial problems in America today, but how many know we're part of the solution and solutions are different? Come on. If they're coming from anointed people of God, and I think, I think you'll, you'll get something out of this. Take a peek.
that's pretty good advice, didn't it? Color outside the lines. We, uh, we live in a world today where, of course, our government has, has changed. The Jim Crow laws were repealed, but how many know there's still racism in America? There's still hostility. There's still a lot of problems that uh, we deal with and struggle with as, as people in America. I was raised in the rural South. I was raised uh, in the country. Uh, my dad and granddaddy had a farm. Uh, there had a number of black sharecroppers at work for my family. Uh, but I was not taught to hate people that were different from me. Uh, my friends, one of my friends, John Bell, he was an older man. He had a wood stove he cooked on. I'd drive the tractor out and we'd cut his wood and bring it back to the house. His house was paved with funny papers from the Sunday paper inside like wallpaper. Uh, he was a poor man, didn't have uh, indoor plumbing, but yet uh, he was a man that had a rich heritage. He had two daughters. We played in the sandbox together. Here's something that I've learned. You can be taught to hate or you can be taught to love. But as a Christian, the second great commandment in the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. And that's what that kind of color outside the lines means is, uh, is the government can never make us love people. They can make us go to school together, but they can never make us love one another. They can develop programs like affirmative action, good or bad, but the, these healing of the heart comes from the people of God. Come on, because how many know God is the ultimate healer? Didn't he say in the book of Galatians that there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, but you are all one in Christ Jesus. So how many know, not only am I to love my neighbor if they're different, I'm especially to love believers in the body of Christ that are a bit different from me. And uh, I'm, I'm proud to be a part of a church that, 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 that represents the diversity of our city. How about you, huh? Yeah. Uh, let's look at our Bibles together. Matthew 13 is where we're going to go. Uh, I started a series last week called All In. And uh, we are in the midst of this 21 days of uh, prayer and fasting. The Proverbs challenge, we're halfway through. You just read a chapter a day. Uh, you share some of it with a friend. And, uh, and it's making a difference in people's lives. But this series, All In, you see, these are poker chips that you're looking at. But uh, we've got something to remind you of this. It's not a poker chip. It's a God token. And this little God token, the ushers are going to pass them out if you didn't get one last week. I want you to take one and use it as a reminder because it's got printed on one side, all in. Put it in your pocket, your purse, on your dresser, on your keychain. But the idea is that this is a gamble that's looking behind you and the guy that puts all he has in the pot. Well, how many know as a Christian, we're not taking a gamble when we go all in for Jesus. We're just simply being the kind of person God wants us to be. And in this series, All In, I'm trying to challenge you about your relationship relationship with God. How I many know your relationship with Jesus can be on uh, many different levels? That relationship can be casual. Uh, it can kind of be come and go. I can take it, leave it, read my Bible or not read my Bible. Uh, you can come to God in a crisis when there's trouble in your world and kind of go back to normal when the crisis is over. Uh, or you can have a relationship where Jesus is the most important person in your life. Come on, that you it used to be called a Jesus freak, a radical Christian. Well, I believe that's normal. Come on, that Jesus is the center of our life. Didn't he give us the great commandment and that great commandment that said we're to love the Lord our God with what? All our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and all our strength. And it's the greatest commandment in the Bible. So these last two messages are on the challenging side to you. They're intended to be meat, but I'm intending to challenge you on what kind of believer you are and what kind of believer that you're going to become in the days ahead. It's time to move from casual Christianity to a deliberateness about our walk with God. So here's the passage Jesus uh, I shared last week from the words of Christ. Matthew 13, 44, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven. And how many would agree that there's nothing more important than God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven? It's eternal. And then he says, I'm going to describe it to you. 
The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. And in his excitement, he hid it again. And what did he do? What did he do? He sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. And the very next parable says that the kingdom of heaven is like a pearl of great price. The merchant sold everything he had so he could buy this one pearl of great price. And what's the message there is nothing I have is worth more than what God promises me if I follow him. Let me say it again. Nothing I have, nothing I can keep beyond this life. And what Jesus offers is the treasure in the field. And I want to make sure that I'm doing everything to get it, even if it bears a little sacrifice. Come on, somebody say amen this morning. Now, Jesus told us last week, this is in review, uh, what it meant to be a disciple or a follower of Christ. Jesus told us three things, if you remember in Luke's gospel. Jesus said it meant loving him more than we love anyone else. Now, listen, uh, he's talking about our family, and we're not supposed to love our family less. We're just supposed to love Jesus more. Uh, I, I love my dad, and if I had my druthers, I'd be in Mississippi now with my dad as he's growing older, farming with him, living with him. But God's will for me was to be your pastor in Texarkana. And I still love my dad and am there as much as I can, but yet at the same time, I had to put Jesus at the first of my priority list. That's what he said. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to take up your cross and follow me. So whatever his call is on our life, and this is, of course, all on the website or the phone app, and you've got to be willing to give up any or everything I'd ask of you to follow me because the treasure in the field is worth it. And here's what I know. Serious Christians do serious things. They live in serious ways, but Jesus promises a serious reward on the other end. Now, come on, somebody say amen. Well, this morning, I want to continue in that vein, and I want to talk about what I believe is the defining mark of a modern-day believer, a true believer, is someone who follows Jesus. And I want you to see these two words we're going to look at today, believe and follow. I've entitled the message, Believers Follow, or to believe and follow. They're connected like your thumb and forefinger. And this idea that if I truly believe in Jesus is more than just I want to go to heaven when I die. Now, I mean, we say that's pretty important. But there's more to Christianity than just believing in Christ to go to heaven. Christianity is about following Jesus all the days of our life. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, about doing what Christ asks us to do and going where he calls us to go. Now, let's kind of look at the basics right now. And I want to tell you something that I did not know before I was converted to Christ uh, when I was 19. I was raised in a country Methodist church, grateful for the heritage, learned respect for the Bible and Christ, but it didn't take and it wasn't their fault. But I didn't know what it meant to be a Christian or how to become a Christian. The world is similarly confused. Um, being Christians means different things to different people. I asked uh, the gods of Google what, it, what is a Christian, and they said it's someone who's received Christian baptism. Now, baptism important? Yes. Does baptism save? No. Uh, Webster's Dictionary, uh, you know, Google doesn't know everything. And somebody tells Google what it knows, and if that somebody didn't know what to tell the algorithms, come on, you're going to end up with a mess. And sometimes we think we're going to the truth by just asking a computer when we're really asking someone's opinion and interpretation. That just totally extra had nothing to do with anything. Webster defines a Christian as someone who professes belief in the teachings of Christ. 
Teaching's important, absolutely, but something's lacking. There was a recent Gallup survey uh, that, that said 77% of Americans are Christian. 77%. Now, let's round numbers. If you rounded it to 80 and there's 300 million of us in America, there's 330, I think, but 300, that's 240 million Christians. Now, wait a minute. Eight out of, you're trying to tell me eight out of 10 people in America are Christians and we're in the mess we're in today? They may be Christian in name only. They may have checked a box on religion on the census, but a Christian is someone, come on, who treats people right, who doesn't steal, who loves their neighbor, who, who doesn't produce the filth that Hollywood produces. Come on. A Christian is someone who protects the needs of others. A Christian is not someone who abuses spouse and wives, come on, and, and, and children, uh, all these things. We may be Christian in name. Uh, even mafia members having a Christian funeral after they die in a drug war. I mean, the Bible, though, it's very clear, very different on what it means to be a Christian. It's very simple, but it's profound. To be a Christian is a person who believes in Jesus and follows him, believes and follows, believes and follows. We'll talk about that. You may be born into a Christian family. You might have been baptized as an infant, but that does not make you a Christian. You're not born Christian. We're born again to follow Christ. I didn't know John 3 was in the Bible when Jesus said, you must be born again. You must be born from above, a spiritual rebirth, a spiritual conversion. When God begins to tug on your heart and you respond to him. You see, there is a conversion experience. We call it being saved, to be forgiven from our sins when we personally receive Christ as Savior. Now, I always knew that, listen, that, 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 that Jesus loved me. I believed in Jesus all my life, but I never received him as Savior. It's like a gift that's offered to you. And if you want this gift, I'm prepared to give it to you, but you have to take that gift. You have to receive that gift in a very deliberate way. I would suggest to you that for the vast majority of people, we should know an exact time and date when we committed our life to Christ. It is a marketplace of, of turning. Uh, Christianity is more than following rules in a book, religious tradition, or ceremony. It's more than going to church on Sunday. But Christianity is a personal relationship with God. Now, the way to be saved, uh, the Bible is very clear, is believing in Jesus. John 3.16, I learned this from Julia Guy in Sunday school in that little Methodist church. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world, come on, say it with me, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. But my question is, what does it mean to believe? I suggest to you that, Google's, uh, that uh, Gallup's numbers are way, way off. Because believers give evidence of their salvation. The word believe is an active word. It's not a mental gathering of facts and acknowledgement. If I believe you, there's action. For example, if, if an usher started screaming in the back door and said, the building's on fire, the building's on fire, what would you do? If you believed him, you'd get up and go. You'd get your kids and you'd, you'd, you'd be out of this place. Or if there's a bomb in the building. You wouldn't sit there and say, well, just a minute, because I'm figuring out my grocery list right now, and you're just going to have to wait just a minute, and I want to hear the next thing that preacher says, because I don't know that I agree with what he said just a minute ago, and I want to see if he changes his mind, because if he's not, I'm getting mad at this. But <laughs> you wouldn't do that. When you believe, you act. And the action word in the Bible is the word follow. Now, clearly, you cannot earn your salvation. Follow. 